what it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. Straight out of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it is the one and only, the United Empire's ultimate weapon. It is Aaron Hanare. What's up, my dude? A weapon indeed. Kia ora, kia ora. How's it going, bro? <laughs> I am so good, man. It's lovely to see your face again. Uh, it feels like just the other day we were having a nice walk with a coffee along, <laughs> along the, that river, and now here we oh, are, virtual. I think it was the other day. It, it Literally, it was like yeah. three weeks ago, <laughs> but yeah. it feels like way too long away. I wish I was back in Japan, man. I had an amazing holiday, and it was sweet catching up with you, dude. Yeah, man, we've had a lot of uh, the Aussie fans come over quite a bit and even just like show to show, you could look out when we do our entrances. Throughout mm -hmm. COVID, you could look out, only see Japanese faces, but now you see the, the Aussies and the Americans. I think there was uh, Israelis last week. Yeah, right, Israeli right. Flag. Well, that's it. I mean, the lucky thing about Japan is it's like pretty easy to get to like for us, you know. I think our return yeah. tickets on our last holiday and, I mean, there was one ridiculous stopover, but it was like 1100 bucks. So it wasn't even crazy when it costs like, you know, 700 to get to Melbourne, you know. <laughs> so yeah. it's not yeah. even that bad. But, but yeah, I've derailed us immediately, bud. I want, want to thank you so much for making time. I know you've got a busy schedule. I know you got a little bit off, but you're going to be heading back into action pretty soon. Um with my show, man, I've only got one question for you and then we just kind of walk through everything. But if you think back to when you first got into professional wrestling, all that kind of stuff, who were some of the first faces that stood out to you and some of the wrestlers that really started to inspire you and drag you into the sport? I mean, if we're uh, thinking back, like right at the beginning, mm -hmm. right right at the beginning when I was like three or four, it was yeah. guys like Gold, Goldberg, mm -hmm. were like the guys that I love, this tough guy just coming out, beating the shit out of everybody. And then from there, it was like uh, WWF, so like The Rock. Yeah. Um, so every brown kid in New Zealand and probably in Australia as well, they always claim that The Rock is their uncle. Um, and that was massive. But just seeing another Polynesian on the screen, you're just like, oh, shit, this is this is something that our people are in, you know? Yeah. It's it quite would, buzzy. It, it would, it, yeah. would it start to feel a bit like, oh, maybe this isn't just for, like, Americans, you know, like <laughs> white yeah, yeah. American There's dudes. Some, like, you yeah, know, there's a bit more going on here. Yeah, so I, I don't know if you know Peter Maivere, The Rock's granddad here, who's mm -hmm. actually a massive superstar in New Zealand before really? going to America. Oh, um, I didn't chief. Know. Like He was actually high chief Peter Maivere in Auckland, my hometown, before he went anywhere else. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So there's yeah, di direct yeah. ties to New Zealand. The Rock, um, when he was a kid, grew up in uh, Auckland, my hometown. So that's a lot what people don't understand. Really? <laughs> I think I'd... he's just from Miami, but like I think he was born in Miami or Hawaii. Yeah. But his family live in like Samoa in New Zealand. Um, wow. Apart from his immediate family who moved to Florida, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're, they're, uh, they're islanders, mate. Wow. I, I didn't even realize that. Um, I saw on the news the other day, and we, we'll get, get back on track briefly, but I saw Jason Momoa oh. was recently uh, – filming in New Zealand for, I think, the Fast movies and stuff, and he made a statement on the news. He was like, I am going to move to this country. He was like, I feel like this is where I'm meant to be. He's like, I feel like I lived here in past lives. He's past like, lives. I've oh, well, never – he well, said that straight I, I, up. This whole week I've been talking to people about this uh, this matter, this subject. Um, yeah. Hawaiians, uh -huh. Maori of New Zealand, uh -huh. Tahitians, and Samoans were all the same people. So, but back in the day, we were all the same people. We just all 
uh, traveled around and went to all these different islands. So mm-hmm. genetically, we're a lot uh, similar to Hawaiians mm-hmm. and Samoans, Tahitians, and New Zealand Maori. Yeah. And then you got the Rapa Nui out east in um, Easter Island, is what you guys call it. Yeah, you were yeah, like been, when, when we were talking. Yeah, that's what we, we were talking about. And I found it fascinating when you were telling me some of the history. And I mean. Australians are pretty ignorant anyway, and they never really cover anything in school. But you were you were actually teaching me so much stuff when we were chatting about like Maori culture and how far back it goes, and like how charted and remembered everything was. It was was fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, it's all that oral tradition. So yeah. the um, the Hawaiians have their oral tradition, Samoans have theirs, Tahitians have theirs. We have ours, mm-hmm. and then at a certain point, they all converge into the same sort of people. They all they all talk about the same people. There's songs in Hawaii and songs in New Zealand about the exact same people. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why he, yeah, everybody, he was actually welcomed, uh, I think it would have been about March, by the whole Maori population in New Zealand. They're like, welcome home, cuz. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I am home. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing, eh? That's so cool. I was saying to my wife, I wish I was uh, rich, famous enough, and maybe had enough ancestry and stuff to be welcomed to another country so I could leave here. Just like to Japan, like, hey, I'm worth something. Let me in full time because I would love to live there. Kiwis, Kiwis are generally welcoming people anyway. We're yeah. quite chill. Yeah. I've I've been to – I went to New Zealand once. I um was on tour with my band and we went there for just nearly a month and it was amazing, man. We absolutely loved it, you know, top island to bottom island, just, you know, small club yeah. shows and things like that. It was really cool. Yeah. I think it, those small like – intimate uh venues and stuff is sure. where most of the magic happens in New Zealand. Yeah. Apart yeah. from rugby. rugby. Rugby's all big stadium. Yeah, I did I didn't get to see any sport when we were there. We were on a bit of a thing, but I, I would love to see how passionate, you know, <laughs> the the New Zealand crowds get over rugby because that's everything yeah, it's there. A goddamn religion in New Zealand. Exactly. It's not a sport, it's a religion. Are you able to keep up with it while in Japan? Um, the rugby is pretty pretty big here, actually. Um, like there's tons, like half the uh, Japanese national team are either Samoan Tongan or just Maori Kiwi, you know. Yeah. So it's, they were they play it on TV here all the time, so it's, yeah. it's pretty easy to keep keep a track of. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, is that how Farley came to be there? Than, oh, sorry. Is that is how Farley came to be there? Yeah, yeah. He um, so he came from straight from high school to mm-hmm. university rugby. And straight from unity, yeah, university to pro. So he went straight to pro pro. He was like straight in there. And I think he uh, he played rugby for the first 15 in his high school, mm-hmm. then the top team at uni, and then straight to a team called Fukuoka Sanex Blues. Yeah, wow. So, you know. And then, and the then, top, he, top pro teams. And then he was like hand picked, right? They, I guess, the wrestling saw him and, and were like, would you want to do this? Yeah. So, I don't know if you know what a number eight is, but they're the juggernaut of the team. Okay. Um, <laughs> they saw him play number eight for Fukuoka Sanex Blues, and they just wanted him to uh, come straight straight to pro wrestling. But I think he needed to get his visa sorted. Right. Um, so he needed to find a sponsor to do the do the trial, and mm-hmm. then I think he uh, so in the in the tryout you do like your squats and your push ups and everything. He's obviously like five times bigger than everybody else in the tryout. <laughs> But he's still doing, still wow. doing the same stuff that everybody else was doing. And yeah. at the end, you're asked to do an appeal, mm-hmm. something that you can appeal with. And then he said, "Okay, 
someone stand over there with a with a bag uh-huh. and I'll tackle you. So this is giant six foot four Tongan guy from La Baja running at you for a tackle. <laughs> Good luck. Some, some unlucky young lion. They're like, yeah, just go hold that real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's how he got picked up. Yeah, yeah amazing. Well, we'll we'll get to your story because I I know that um your story is pretty interesting, and I know you were the last foreigner essentially accepted into the the dojo. So let's mm. rewind back a little bit. You know, you talk about your memories when you're a kid and you first started seeing them. So did you have a lot of those kind of shows on TV in New Zealand? Because like growing up in Australia, I didn't. Like I, I had to find them in VHS, you know, in blockbuster video and stuff like that. Did you did you have access it to it just, on TV? It, it would have been quite similar. We had uh, maybe Channel 5, you guys call it. You, you guys would have had Channel 5 as well back in the day. Maybe. Um, I, I lived in a country town, so I was a bit more limited uh-huh. in what I had. I had like two channels, <laughs> yeah, ABC and GWN, and that was it. I remember when the third channel came, that was a big deal. Ah, okay, yeah. So we we originally had those two channels, Channel Two, Channel Four, mm-hmm. which had um, uh, one had WCW and one had WWF. Oh wow! So one, one was playing uh, reruns of Nitro, and the other one was playing reruns of Raw mm-hmm. from like months earlier. So that was the first one, and then Channel Five Sky TV came out, mm-hmm. and that was when Raw and SmackDown started. So that would have been like two thousand three, four, five is when it started blowing up in New Zealand. Yeah, and they came around. 2006, 2007 is when WWE came. And um, it was when I went to, they, they did a big show at Western Springs Stadium. And it, I think Batista was in the main event. MVP was there as well. Wow. Um, yeah, it was buzzing. And I actually, I brought like the cheapest ticket in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, skipped, skipped past the security, <laughs> skipped past another security, and skipped past another security to front row. So I just like, yeah. And you just found an empty seat and jumped in it? Yeah, and then as I did that, the match finished, um, and then Batista walked around, came up to my corner and hugged me. So I was like, oh, shit, this is my guy. So he's oh. one of the reasons I like doing power moves is because of, of him. That's so cool. And how old were you then when you did this? Uh, what? It would have been about 12, 13, I think. Wow. That, that's crazy. The ball's on you, eh? And then, <laughs> to, then to be essentially stolen somebody else's experience is pretty funny. <laughs> well, no, no, nobody was sitting in that seat, so technically I wasn't Technically it was a ghost. Seat. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. That is awesome. I uh, was yeah. once hugged by Hiroshi Tanahashi in Sydney, so that was pretty nice. <laughs> I think I was the last Sydney. hug before uh, COVID. <laughs> There's a new, new South, University of New South yeah, Wales one. Yeah, in the round in oh, the yeah, roundhouse. Sure. You were on that show as well, actually. Uh, that, she, that was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was you versus Asia. Yeah, absolutely. That was sick. Yeah. Um. So then, from there, from being a fan, and you know, you you snuck front row and stuff, and you're you're liking wrestling. How do you even begin to like? train in that because because it might it must feel pretty far away and i know that you said you said in previous interviews and stuff you sort of grew up and it was a bit rough and stuff like that how do you find those resources or or how do you even start there was a uh, a club in um, auckland called uh, dilworth wrestling club mm-hmm. dilworth grizzlies grizzly bears yeah um, and they did uh, like freestyle greco-roman and submission wrestling. oh okay Mm-hmm. So that was the fr- and it was um so the the whole school was funded for uh, low socioeconomic kids so like kids poor kids pretty much yeah and um the, so for a whole year of wrestling training you pay seventy dollars so I was just like what the hell I get to like beat people up for seventy dollars 
Um, so that's that's what I did after after going to that show. I signed up to actual wrestling, yeah. and knowing that that'll help me out later on mm-hmm. down the line. Yeah. Um, and then that worked out. I got I got up to um, pre Commonwealth level, so I actually got selected for the Commonwealth Games. Really? Team like wrestling team. Wow. But I wanted to go to New Japan, and that was the same time that I met Follow, and he said, "If you want this, uh, start training." Yeah. You have to let all the other stuff go. So I sort of had to prioritize training for with Follett. Yeah. How did you but meet the Follett? So uh, originally he was training with Mark Hunt for his um, his fight camp. So yes. I think it was either Bigfoot Silva or Cain Velasquez, one of them, whatever was in early 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was training up for that. And I was going to the same gym as them. And then knowing that I was going to the same gym as them, I started going to the gym at 5 a.m. when the gym opened just to see what time they <laughs> they, they came in. So I was there like 5 a.m. every day, like on the bikes. Yeah. And then finally noticed me there. Um, and he, he had come to a, a few independent shows that I was on before that. And he's like, hey, you're that kid from that show. And then he invited me to come train. And then I impressed him in the training. So I said, uh, come come train with me some more and I'll train you up to go to Japan. Wow. And that was just like, I remember the one day decision, he like took me to lunch and coffee and stuff. And he was like, look, if you, if you want this, you have to set your goals and you have to follow through. So I was like, yep, that day. Yep. Let's do this. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so you were, you obviously knew who he was, knew what meeting him would mean. And you, you essentially put a plan in place to, to meet him yeah. and hopefully get to work with him. It wasn't sort of a like I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. Yeah. For in our culture, it's like if we follow the the big brother, the older guy, then we could get to where they go get to. Like follow his that's example. What I like about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's still like um, and it's very Japanese as well. The same uh, like junior, senpai. senior, senpai, kohai sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The same. Um, but he's 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 always been pretty good with like uh, brown kids, Maori and Pacific kids, because he knows what it's like coming up, being the only brown guy around. So. Sure. It's pretty good. So te- technically, I was the first guy from Folly Dojo to come to Japan. Yeah, because like you were, I guess, his student before there was a Farley Dojo, right? Like you were already yeah, training. Yeah, yeah. So during that time, I used to help him out. So like I couldn't afford to pay him for training all the time. So mm-hmm. he was like, look, just help me set up all of these seminars and I'll let you train for free. Wow. And then I set up quite a few seminars around uh, Auckland for him. And then that was my training there. So like helping him out. We both win. He wins and I win, you know. Oh, that's so cool, man. It's really, um, I guess, rare in this world and, and and really special when you hear about guys like that who have made it successful and have achieved this thing but then reach back down, you know what I mean, and bring other yeah, people yeah. back up with them. And in that Lions Raw documentary he did like about his dojo, you could see how much he cared and how hard he works and then to hear that that, you know, continues all the way back to really the start is pretty impressive, I think, and a, a big uh, yeah, word yeah. to his character, right? I mean, there's, there's there's definitely guys that have, like, made it through that system. There was me, and then after me, it was a Hikuleo. Oh, yes. Was actually mm-hmm. there. And even before me, he was the one that got Jay White into New Japan. Wow. Um, though Jay, Jay White didn't train through New Japan, but uh-huh. he impressed Fale enough when Fale was doing a tour of the UK. Uh-huh. Um, and then Fale vouched for him in New Japan, and then they brought him straight away. Yeah, wow. Um, and so, how yeah, much no. how much experience had you had before New Japan? Like, were you exclusively Greco-Roman stuff, and then straight into be molded from scratch essentially, or were you doing indie shows? No, no, I was doing indie shows, but um, 
so at the time, so 2014, mm-hmm. I would have been wrestling well, uh, seven years or so, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to New Japan, I realized, oh, that stuff I was taught wasn't actually proper wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then looking back at it now, it's like, of course not. It's just a, a bunch of guys that watched WWE and then thought, ah, this is how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going to, going to New Japan, Dojo was like a massive uh, rude awakening, <laughs> getting the shit beaten out of you. And like, because they don't teach how to, how to like hit the mat properly, very dangerous on the indies sometimes. Um, when the, the, the falls aren't done properly, you're more yeah. likely to get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and thing, even something as simple as running the ropes, like if you don't do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was putting too much stress on my Achilles throughout that whole seven, eight year period. Wow. And then got here, did it properly, snapped my, snapped my Achilles. Just because there was so much damage from all of those years of doing it wrong. So yeah. I say I wrestled seven years before, um, coming to New Japan, but the reality is it wasn't professional wrestling. It was just rolling around in a shed pretty much. <laughs> That's yeah. not a dog on anyone. That's yeah. The, they were doing their best with what they yeah. thought they knew. And, I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking about a, a being entered into a system that's world-renowned to produce some of the, if not the best wrestlers in the world, you know. So yeah, the, yeah. The, the, that's the difference between – people doing their best and, and like this established time-honored system, you know? So yeah, it, yeah. it was a huge wake-up call for you then once you you hit the yeah, ground in yeah. Japan. Because we all know this, this the um, Dunning-Kruger effect, you know? Like, oh, I've been wrestling seven years, so I know a lot. And then you finally realize how much you don't know and then you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, rude awakening. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you thought you were going in a vet and uh, that is not the case whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd say like, Eight years independence, um, mm. wrestling once a month is equivalent to maybe one or two tours in the pro circuits. Yeah, if well, that, if that. Yeah. T- tell me about this independent time. Uh, did you did you have a fun working name and and gimmick I should know about, or were were you just uh, just Aaron? Or? I had a few. So like um, when I first debuted was uh, a, a match just before Sandman at Armageddon. I don't know if you guys have Armageddon expos. Mm, um, not sure. They, they're like a big Comic Con, like Comic Con type of it. I think you, yours is called Supernova. Oh yeah, it's Supernova. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this is when uh, shuffling was the thing. Mm-hmm. What shuffling? Yeah, shuff- what papers? <laughs> Shuffleboard. Melbourne, the- Melbourne Shuffle. Oh yeah, I, I know, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Where people so, are doing so like the song was- would play and people are doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, that was my guy, my original guy. Because I, I I would do that at, like, school and stuff. Like, it was, like, the cool guys thing to do at school. Yeah. So I just brought that into wrestling. Um, A-class was the name. Yeah. Uh, play on words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't see that. Nobody needs to know. This is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, after that, I uh, that's when I started doing uh, MMA as well. So I changed... Uh, the whole shtick to sort of kind, of kind of like what I'm doing now, but more like MMA based. Yeah. I was at the same time as doing the wrestling stuff, I was doing MMA and jujitsu and kickboxing and Muay Thai and stuff like that. So that's when the whole, I started falling in love with the whole fight game part of it. Yeah. Um, so that would have been about. I was real young when I debuted, like 15, because I faked my age. I told them I was 18 because <laughs> I haven't grown much since I was 15. So. Right, so you were always kind of tall for your uh, age. I, I grew tall real quick and then stopped. 
<laughs> just stayed stationary from there on out. Yeah. So, so man, I, I knew you were like well versed in, you know, like the fight game and stuff. Obviously, especially mm. like when um, you went overseas to train in Muay Thai and stuff like that. But I didn't realize you've yeah. really been a martial artist kind of your entire life. It, it sounds like between Greco-Roman and MMA and Muay Thai and professional wrestling, you, you're pretty well-rounded fighter. Yeah, well, um, there's uh, all the guys in the UFC are the Kiwi guys now. Uh, Shane Young, Izzy Adesanya, um, Kai Fare, uh, guys like Kai and Shane. We were we used to wrestle together <laughs> when we were younger. Yeah, well, um, since we were uh, when was it? Man, Shane would have been like nine when he when we started doing wrestling together. Yeah. Um, and then Kai Fare were in the uh, Auckland team for a bit in 2014. Ah, uh, 13. Sorry. Um, and then I stopped training with those guys in MMA around uh, 2014. The, the same time I uh, started training with followers when I stopped training with the other guys because uh, you have to, you can't like do Greco and pro wrestling and MMA all like all in one week. You know, if you're doing it at a high level, you have to focus on one. So I chose pro wrestling with Fale and now I'm here. Yeah. That's then I've still always loved like fighting. I love Muay Thai. Any chance I go to Thailand and just train. Um, I, I just uh, the Maori martial arts as well. Even before wrestling, I used mm-hmm. to do Maori martial arts like weaponry and yeah. All the, the philosophical spiritual side is amazing to me. That's so cool. Talk a little bit more later about your passion for everything to do with Maori history. Um, because I'm I'm really interested to to hear about all that because I know it's a big part of your future and present and everything that you're working towards. Rewinding back to like a landing in Japan though, how was that? I mean, I mean, you said it was like coming in on the first day when you'd been wrestling for eight years, but how was the culture shock as well? Like you're you're essentially picked up and you're dropped in like you're now about to live in this dojo and get the shit beat out of you and try and become this thing that you no exist was that was that pretty eye-opening for you like the way i I love japan but it is a very different way of life you know and you're you're this young guy who wants to do this thing but you're on the other side of the world suddenly yeah um so it wasn't compared to a lot of the other foreigners it wasn't so much of a culture shock Mm -hmm. because um i say it all the time our culture multi-culture pacific island cultures a lot closer to japanese culture than most other cultures i mean we're all Pacific Island nations, you know, mm-hmm. so we're bound to have some similarities. But the, the language was probably the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to be honest, the, my, my, the biggest culture shock for me was all the American guys. <laughs> <laughs> you're, so, you're suddenly there with other foreigners who don't know what's going on yeah. and you're like, you're like it's probably easier if I was just here on my own. <laughs> just like, the, like you, you don't... You, you don't speak back to your the elders. You do what you're told. You stay humble. That's sort of the island way. Mm-hmm. But that's not the American way. Right. The American way is were they struggling opposite. with that? So, yeah. So no, I think I, it wouldn't have been an American thing. Maybe more just the person. But mm-hmm. you know, Cody Hall was there. Yeah. Um, uh, Juice Robinson. Uh, I, <laughs> how he is in, on the camera is how he is in person. So yeah. Right. Over the top. Me coming from New Zealand, we were quite like laid back and chill. Seeing this guy, I was like, "What the hell? People like this exist." Um, yeah, but apart from the uh, like yelling at seven a.m., so when you wake up as a dojo boy before you do all the cooking and cleaning, you have to yell, "Oh, it's got some of this!" Yeah, like thank, like thank you for giving me the opportunity. Sure. Any any senpai you see, so Liger lives at the dojo. Yeah. If you don't, 
wake up and yell at him. Thank you for your work. Yeah. He, he'll beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> like literally it, just choke you out in the building or just train like it's time to do a thousand squats right now? I mean, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. squats. That's so like they try and make you give up. They yeah. try and make you squat sure. until you want to give up. They try and make you do the, the cleaning every day for a whole week. Yeah. Um, just to make you give up because it's how much do you want it? Do you want to be a wrestler as much as you want to? You don't want to do all of this work. Yeah. Um, there's a new Netflix series I just started watching, uh, Sanctuary. <laughs> ah, I've um, seen that. The good, sumo one, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good, like, I, a little sneak peek at what it's like to live a dojo life. Sure. Absolutely. Because um, it, it is that it's, it's servitude, right? Like you're, you're in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You, this chores to be done. You're like certain things need to be completed. All the training needs to be done, and your free time is a little bit limited. Yeah, yeah. So I think seeing the Australian guys come, they probably struggled the most uh-huh. with it because they're so like Aussies are so chill, you know. Yes, with everything, like they're probably more chill than Kiwis when it comes to like work and stuff. But uh-huh. those little things are what the Japanese senpais see and be, and they're like. Uh, this guy doesn't want it. If you're not like openly like switched on par- aggressively, yeah, mm-hmm. parodying the fact that you want this mm-hmm. to them, you don't want this. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, but yeah, the the culture shock wasn't too bad for me. I, I didn't like it. It was the first time that I didn't wor- need to worry about uh, cooking, uh, like food yeah. or accommodation or gym payments because it's all free. Yeah, you pay in squats. There's like what they say is you pay your rent in squats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a good trade off for me. I'll, I'll give you a thousand squats, and you give me this free life. Yeah, you're like you like suits me down to the ground. And I mean, I guess you you did already come from a background where you had trained in martial arts, so you already understood discipline. I guess like it's not like yeah. though you've worked on the indies, it's not like you were only trained in indie wrestling, which is quite a bit more casual <laughs> or whatever. You know, like you had you had well, that structure. Well, for me, I'm, I'm glad that I had that background because it was uh, – so I had, like, me, uh, Great Okan, Kitamura Katsuya, <laughs> yeah. Ren R. Narita, R. like, all of these Japanese shooters. So, like, freestyle, Greco-Roman, yeah. all Japan champions. Yeah. Um, so our, our, our intake was quite rough. We had, like, the tough guy intake. Yeah. So everyone sort of looked down on us, like, uh, you guys are just fucking fans pretty much. Yeah. But no, we, we were like the, the killer intake, with the exception of Shota Umino, uh-huh. um, who was a baseball boy. The rest of us were actual like killers. Shooters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there was like the indie guys and stuff like that. But I was going to say like, you know, because um, Okan is, was like a Greco-Roman type wrestler as well, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. It was a Japan 120. Uh, so, yeah, he was freestyle. Kitamura was 100 and. 25 or 130, whichever the Greco one was. So Oko was freestyle, Kitamura was Greco, Narita was uh, 85 kilo freestyle Japan champion, and I was uh, New Zealand Greco freestyle and submission 85 champion. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, this is yeah. a murderer's row right there, isn't it? But this one, yeah. Um, Fale told me before I got here uh, just about all of that wrestling and MMA stuff. Just, just keep it quiet. So, like, as in, like, don't let everybody know. Yeah. Because then they'll 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 under underjudge you and think you're nobody. And then, but, but the boys found out quite quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of thing where if you come in with this 
rep or whatever, then they want to test you and stuff where yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. and if they think you're a nobody, then all you can do is impress them. Like as you as you increase and demonstrate yeah. your skills and, yeah. and shit like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one one story I don't tell very often is the first day I met Follett. Um yeah. so he came to one of the trainings actually, one of those independent wrestling trainings. Sure. The one day we were focusing on I was I was teaching people mat wrestling, freestyle mm-hmm. wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then him coming from the New Japan dojo comes in, hey, can I have a go? And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, thinking I'll take this guy. <laughs> Forgetting he's 150 <laughs> kilos, you know. It ain't gonna matter. <laughs> so I, I try and sweep him, I get my inside uh Ochigari, so inside leg reap. Okay. But I forgot he's 150 kilos, so he just pushes me forward and I like twist my leg around his leg, fall on the ground in front of everybody. And he's like, Oh, is that all? You know. Just humbles so, you immediately. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's my dumb idea for trying to inside sweep a giant. But uh, yeah, yeah. A- <laughs> you stick to stick to the low leg shoots on giants. Uh, I was just being cocky. Yeah, you know. were like, I'm going to show everybody how I can put this big guy down. And then you're like, Oh fuck, <laughs> I forgot he's an absolute. Murderer. Not to mention, not to mention his 18 years of playing rugby. Yeah, exactly. His yeah, yeah. his literal job was to not get knocked over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how long were you in the? dojo before you did that injury because i'm trying to remember the timeline because when i very when i first went to japan i did catch a korokan hall show and i'm quite sure i saw you wrestle i think you and okan wrestled like in the opener um oh yeah yeah, that would have been the match that i got injured oh really yeah, the, the opening Kurokuin match. Yeah, I think yeah. That's the only opening match I've had with Oka. Yeah, oh, yeah. then literally, so, yeah, the I was whole, I was in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Whole backstory to that was the whole week I was trying to like I was out outpacing everybody with training. Just like my lifts were heavier than everybody's, my mm-hmm. fitness was better than everybody's. Yeah. Um. But the 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 day before I did heavy deadlifts, so like two forty or so. Yeah. And then the day of the show, we still have to do young lion training. Mm-hmm. um during the shows like even if it's a show day you have to do your thousand squats yeah um wow. so i did the thousand squats and then afterwards we did like rope sprints so like you just keep sprinting in the ropes until you can't sprint anymore mm-hmm. and the highest score wins so i wasn't gonna let anybody beat me so i just kept going kept going kept going kept going kept going i felt my ankle twist a little bit mm-hmm. but i just keep going kept going kept going and then after training i was just spent so cooled right down wake up around four to go to the show, bam, first match, snap. So wow. we've just been overworked completely and then cool down, all the blood flow goes away Yeah, and then straight back to match. So it was just pure overwork, but then that showed them, oh, this guy's willing to kill himself to to wrestle. Yeah, so that's a respect thing as well. That's not, not a like, oh, he's not built for this. It's like uh, he's going to work through it. He's going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's the like mental your, toughness. His mind is stronger than his body, but that's good. Yeah, right. And then how long were you out with that? That was nine months, I think. That was yeah. a full, it was like a full complete tear. Because then, and then you came back, months. right? Like when you came back, you came back as like Hanare, you know, uh, you weren't really a young lion when you came back. Like, yeah, that was, um, I came back for uh, tag league with Makabe because Homa had also got injured that week. Right. So the same week I got injured, he got injured. Um, but his was a neck injury, so he couldn't recover in nine months. Right. So that, was yeah, that was when he got, got really badly injured, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. He, that guy shouldn't be walking right now, but he yeah. is. So. 
There's a few miracles out of Japan. Like, I mean, look at Shibata as well. Like, these are both dudes that should have had career-ending injuries and they're just both Shit. getting around looking like a million bucks and you're like, yo, there's probably something to this, <laughs> whatever they're doing yeah. as far as training goes. Honestly, I think it's more not so much a wrestler thing but more a, a athlete thing. So you, most people don't realise how injured and banged up athletes are day-to-day. Yeah. Um, but you get your blood flow right if you get your eating right if you get your sleeping right your body like the body's amazing it could recover so much mm-hmm. um, until it eventually breaks down from aging yeah exactly but until then you you can work it pretty hard <laughs> yeah 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 i mean the human body's capable of so much that um that 40 no 38 minute match i had i i thought i was going to die but the body pushed through you know yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. That that's something that we will definitely talk about. But before we fast forward to to that amazing match with Shingo, um, talk about uh, let's let's just talk a little bit about coming back. You know, debuting in World Tag League, doing the Hanare thing. But I think you you would probably agree that for a while there you felt stalled. You know, like where where it was all going, obviously, and then COVID and stuff happens, but. Yeah, you you were you were ready to go, and you would have been been pretty fired up to begin. How were you feeling as you you debut back? You get out of your injury. How, how are you all feeling as far as mentally and 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 motivation? Yeah, I'm always pretty motivated to do whatever, no matter. Like I've, I've been injured heaps of times. I've been yeah. set back tons of times as well. But mm-hmm. for that one, that that whole period was sort of um. At the time, I was like, well, what are they waiting for? Why am I not getting anything? Yeah. And then like later on, I realized, hey, these guys are just trying to, it's just another form of those squats they're telling you to do. Yeah, do a right. thousand squats, do a thousand of these matches. For those two years, I was, me and uh, Naito were the most um, active wrestlers in the world. Really? Um, I can't remember the amount of matches, but if you look up on, uh, I forgot what. Cage website, match or something? Like, like, mm-hmm. 2018, 2019. Yeah. Naito number one, Hinata number two for the amount of matches had. Really? Um, that was insane. So that, that's when we did the the Australian tours. Yes. And, um, we were going everywhere. And I was on every single show in Japan on top of those those uh, international shows. Yeah. Um, so then I realized, oh, that's the marathon. This is the marathon part of it. Sure. I'm just trying to see if I give up. If they again, it's that it's it? that training, right? Like, and it, and it's yeah, the yeah. the whole thing. Like, if anything, some people maybe go, oh, that you know, there's nothing for me, and they're just wasting me. But in reality, they're probably investing in you. You know what I mean? They're getting yeah, yeah, yeah. reps in. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's it's good that you bring that up because that's a very Japanese thing. Mm-hmm. Is that the long run? They're with you for the long run. You realize they realize that foreigners come here. Mm-hmm. They just want to get rich and then use it as a, um, what do you call it? Stepping stone. Trampoline to yeah. go jump to the WWE, which sure. is what a lot of uh, foreigners do. If yeah. they don't do that, they give up and go somewhere else Yeah, because they don't get the instant instant results. But the yeah. instant results isn't a Japanese thing. They're all about incremental, incremental, incremental. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's case wh- in point, wild, um, our, our generation now, you got me, you got Shota, Narita, Okan. Mm-hmm. We're all only coming up now, and then Suji's just come back. Yeah, so that that's like our our generation of guys, and that's what seven years ago was when we came here. So yeah, foreigners will think about it like, oh, these guys have been here for ages and they've done nothing. Japanese are like, I'm watching these people grow day by day. Yeah, it's just a different cultural perspective. Yeah, I'm glad you you bring that up because it's why I love New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like you, you can see 
the talent invested in the company. You can see the company invested in the talent and you can watch entire careers play out, you know, and and I can see yeah. that loyalty and I've seen it in you and I've seen it in others. It's like when that is displayed and when you see it through, it all comes back around like it, like you have a job for life, you know, and you can see, yeah. like, look, look, you talk about that seven-year mark or whatever, look at Sonata, like, now world champion had been with the company for seven years, you know, before that ever happened. And before he was even let loose to do, you know, what he's capable of, you know, like it's that they really play that long game. But when you're invested in the company and you watch that stuff play out, it's so rewarding when it does. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a lot of uh, foreign fans don't I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Australian because you guys are pretty cool. You guys just like to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of American fans are like, Oh, he's boring. He's just doing the same thing because you're not seeing the minute little differences day to day. Yeah, You're not seeing the little change in the costume that this guy's doing. You're not seeing the little changes in the ring that he's one one by one changing his moves. Like, yeah. like me, for instance, adding stepping away from the pro wrestling and adding more Muay Thai and fighting is like being more myself has helped me more than being a pro wrestler, you know? Yeah, sure. When I, when I saw um... – you know, when COVID had locked everything down and I, I had seen that you had gone to Thailand and like you're posting all these fight videos and stuff. My first thought was like, this is who he is. Like everybody could see it, you know, in those videos, how comfortable you were in that. And I'm like, this is what he needs to be like. And yeah. when they let him loose and he gets to be that, that will be the next step. And, and the United Empire stuff happens. And then once you again went from, you know, he – you debut as Aaron Hanare, you know, ultimate weapon. And then when those, you know, minute changes start to happen, we lead to like the matches that you've had recently and you're like, now we're yeah. now we're getting somewhere. So how did United yeah, yeah. Empire happen? Because you, so you obviously, COVID's locked Japan down. What was your mindset? I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go and train and, and make the most of this time. I honestly thought um, – it'll be a small one month lockdown yeah. and then everyone, everything will be back to normal, which is why I went to Thailand. I'm like, oh, it's going to be quick, get fit for the new Japan cup. And then it's me and Ishii in the main event. Yeah. Hot. So that was where my mind was at, but little did we know two years later and I'm stuck between the two hardest quarantine countries in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, the time in the dojo, easy, easy compared to the quarantines, man. Yeah. Cause it was more, more a challenge to the mind rather than, uh, the, the the squats you know? yeah you're you're like I've done hard physical stuff before I do it all the time that's that's what I am and then when you yeah. when you take that and you're put in those kind of situations I mean everybody in the world fi- found it hard but to be you know yeah. <laughs> moved away and and like you say stuck in another country again it's like man I'm I'm just here yeah not even that it was the the hotels the quarantine hotels that like 99% of people didn't even see or witness or see anything. Yeah. Just being stuck in there, you're allowed outside five to 10 minutes a day. You're sure. not allowed to sweat. You're not allowed to drink water outside your room. You have to get permission to, it was, it was just prison. Yeah. And I, I understand that was uh, like precaution for nobody knows how bad this virus is. It's yeah. a precautionary measure, uh-huh. but man, it was, it was bad. There were army, there were policemen, there were air force, there were uh, private security all for protecting a room of someone who's hasn't been sick in two years. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, that's hectic. I, I often joke like 
here we were obviously in Perth and that's like the most isolated city in the world. So we were barely even touched. There were, you know, limited lockdowns and that did affect people. I worked through the whole thing. I only ever had like essentially kind of a week where it was like I couldn't go to work. And I was like, I enjoyed that taste of that. I fucking could go a little bit more of it because we're talking about my own house. I've got, you know, my TV. I've got the internet. I've got everything. It's really just a holiday. So I never really experienced anything. When you talk about what you're talking about, like not only is that that prison, it's scary too because you don't actually know the health risks and stuff either. So you're just like, I'm just kind of here and I can't go anywhere and when will this end? Yeah, for, for me, it was kind of like um, I used to be very sick growing up. I used to be sick all the time. Really? Um, and then I changed my eating habits and my fitness habits. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, for two whole years, I didn't get sick. Yeah. I was like, wow. So I, I drink like six liters of water a day. I only eat natural food. Yeah. And I, I'm never sick. Yeah. So this whole COVID, I was, just having that experience, I was like, hold on a sec. If people just focus on their natural health markers, yeah, it, it'll be more beneficial. But in quarantine... They, they woke you up, that stop you from sleeping. They give you high sugar food. They give you acidic, high inflammation food in quarantine. So I'm like, hang on, knowing knowing that all of this stuff causes people to get sick yeah. that you're and smoking. So the, the one thing that pissed me off the most is that as a fit person, I wasn't allowed to go outside and just jog around yeah. for five minutes. Uh-huh. But a smoker was allowed to go outside and smoke and spread their smoke to everybody. On, in the outside <laughs> makes literally so no sense like, it was the, the logical inconsistency that annoyed me more than anything just yeah. let me work out let me drink water they, they, these are, they don't sound like two harder things <laughs> to request yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. But, but, I, mean, yeah. I think everybody was just hit with a state of fear whether it was fear of the conspiracy of the government trying to take everything over yeah. or uh, the, the fear of getting COVID like either side, way it was like, fear and, yeah Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you know me. I'm not. I'm not afraid of much. So. <laughs> exactly. Right. You can't physically fight a virus. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I've trained my whole life for this, and and now this has happened. So, anyway, yeah. you 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 do manage to get through it. You you make the most of the time that you've got, what what you can anyway, and you get back to Japan. How does the United Empire stuff start to? To happen because you and I were talking and we were going to do this podcast quite some time ago and it got shut down because of United Empire because <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. something, he's got a big meeting, we can't oh, yeah. do anything, and then you debut as uh, as a member yeah. of United Empire. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, Osprey just invited me one day to dinner and just uh, told me, hey, man, we want to bring you on board. What do you think about this? And I was like, yes, thank you. Because this was, again, at that point where I was like, in the marathon part of it. Yeah. Like, man, anything anything I fucking get, I'll take you. And I liked where they were going. I mean, Okan, me and him were in the dojo together and we came up together. Yeah. Um, And then they added Jeff to it. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, so you got Jeff, Okan, uh, Osprey. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. What a team. You, you need a tough guy. Yeah. You need a scrapper. I'm the scrapper. I'm the scrapper. You got the, you got the, the entertaining guy, you got the overall guy like Will, you got the power guy like yeah. Jeff. Come on, you need the you need the striker. Come on, come on, yeah, come on. Let's go. Let's go. I think I, I fit in quite well in the team a lot more than Hontai because I was doing everything I possibly could in Hontai and I was it was like more jacked than I had ever been in my life when I was yeah. tagging with uh, Tanahashi, but still no opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Um, how how was that brief? We'll take a brief detour. How how was it um 
just working with a legend like Tanahashi. Like Hanarace was a really fun team. Um, it, it might it must have been pretty amazing to just like be there with him, you know? Yeah, um, like the the first time was really good. Uh, it was real fun because uh, he, um, he wasn't injured. Um, the yeah. second time fucking sucked. So he had an injured knee. Oh. So if you go back and look at all of those matches, I think that that was 2020, I believe. Mm-hmm. 2020? Yeah. He had an injured knee. He yeah. couldn't do anything. Go back and look at the matches, and I'm in the ring 90% of the time. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, I was fucked, man. That, that, that tour, like, wasted me so much. I oh. broke my rib, I think, Oh. Um, on one of those matches there. Yeah. But there's nothing I can do. This guy's got a messed up knee. We have to keep going. So, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, towards the end of the tour, you see me with taped up ribs and stuff, but it was rough. <laughs> just fighting through it, it as, as your team's yeah. in pieces. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, fuck, these guys are just using me as Tanahashi's knee pad. <laughs> That's yeah. so brutal. So how do you – um? so the, your Will takes you out. You obviously get on well with him and he he, he gives yeah. you this opportunity. So, so what's the sort of thought process that goes into what you – what you want to look like, changing the name, adding Aaron back to Hanara, like, you know, all those things. Like, are you like, I need to completely revamp everything? I need to change. I need to sort of fit with what they're doing. Like, how do you how do you think about that stuff? For me, it was more, I need to be more myself. Uh, the, it was the uh, the company wanted me to be this. But that, I mean, uh, I respect my culture, but. I'm not there to be your your little uh, circus monkey, you know. So that's sort of well, what it felt. like. And there's also there been some very famous, you know, proud warriors in wrestling who have done that very, very well, and and that they've done it, you know. And so, so it's hard yeah. for you to be yourself when you know when guys like you know, Amaga and you know and yeah. and the head shrinkers and all these guys have already done it to such a level. Yeah, and so it's yeah. In comparison, it's kind of lame, you know. And, yeah. But in in the West, everybody knows. Oh, don't fuck with Islanders; they'll beat the shit out of you. Yes. Um, in Japan, they still still like they don't really know who we are. Yeah. So they don't. There's not really that cultural awareness mm-hmm. um, at all. They just see a big guy. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't know what culture. You're just a big guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for that it was more being myself. I, I want to be more myself. I want to kick the shit out of people. I don't want to. I don't want to appeal to the fans like I used to. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, being more myself was the main thing, mm-hmm. uh, dressing how I want. You know? So I remember um, I was wearing like a short, short, short shorts and a t shirt and a short tee, mm-hmm. like how Kiwis do, Kiwi yeah. style. Mm-hmm. And Tiger Mask would be like, what are you doing? Go put some clothes on. You look disgusting. As in, like, that's not professional. And I'm just like, the fuck are you telling me what to wear? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the stuff like that was annoying. So uh-huh. I was, when I joined Will, I was just like, I'm doing whatever I want now. Yeah, exactly. They can't control you. You're a there bad you boy go. now. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I see it on the video. But, but we know he's ripping the new Aaron Hanare shirt, which is fire, <laughs> by the way, and I could not find it anywhere in Japan. It was sold out at every store oh, I went to. that's good. Yeah, that's yeah, good news. exactly. No, nah, it was. It wasn't hey, like, uh, the only one I saw. Like, was yours? <laughs> I couldn't find it anywhere because everybody fucking had it already. Um, that's a good sign for me. It is a good Sorry sign you, for you. It is a good sign for you. It's a great shirt. People check it out. It's probably restocked by now. Um, so, United Empire, obviously, a complete breath of fresh air. 
the the crew has continued to grow and I think arguably maybe the number one faction in New Japan right now. How is it working with all those guys and and right. as as your your opportunities have developed uh, like it seems like you're the happiest you've ever been. Yeah, man. Like you go when you, you know when you start a new job and you're like, oh, I hope the guys aren't dicks. And there's always that one asshole that you have to work with, and you're just like, oh, yeah, fuck, I have to work with this guy. Nothing like that in Yui. Everybody's fucking cool. Right? Yeah. From top to bottom, you go. Will's cool. Okan's cool in his own ways. You know, he's a, he's a weird boy, but he's cool. <laughs> um, and then I'm sort of like the, the the street dude of the team. Like I'm probably from the lowest like socioeconomic area, but I'm like. Yo, bro, I'm just chill. I'm like the chill guy of the team. Uh, Jeff's the powerhouse, but he's like the cute guy. Like backstage, he's like the cute guy of the team. Oh, kawaii, yeah. that kind of guy. Um, who was after him? Then you got Akira. Yeah. Everybody bullies Akira. I, I've never seen it before in my life, but I don't know how he puts up with it, but he does. Um, <laughs> he's the little brother of the team, right? TJ is like the, I wouldn't say Yoda, but like the, the Obi-Wan. He's the Obi-Wan of the team. Uh, he's the, the the vet that just knows it all, but he's he's cool as fuck. He's like, we've all got our different niches, eh? and he's real like punk, like yeah. real cool punk dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of opened my eyes more to punk. Mm-hmm. Um, who was after TJ? Uh, it was Gideon, I believe. Yeah, Gideon. We haven't Gideon. seen Gideon in a bit, but he's amazing. He's great, smart guy. Um, crowd reacted to him quite a lot, uh-huh. uh, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's a super smart, ridiculously smart guy. And then after him, we had uh, Aussie boys, yeah, Aussie coolest Aussie. fucking cat, coolest cats in the world. They are the coolest cunts in the world. They're, they're <laughs> fucking their match at Sakura Genesis, man. They were unbelievable. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was ringside for all their crazy matches, man. I was ringside for their uh, Rift Pro match against the Velocities, which mm-hmm. was insane. Yeah, um, I was just there, like super tired from like a freaking twenty hour flight, and I'm just like, whoa, shit, what's going on? <laughs> um, and then the, the last guy was Dan Maloney. Dan Maloney, the driller. Yeah, Have you had a chance to? Badass, man. Yeah, yeah. Have you had a chance? Because obviously, like you guys, just sort of finished that uh, recent tour and I know you were saying you were a little bit banged up and you were taking a couple of weeks off and he's jumped into Best yeah. of the Super Juniors. Have you had a chance to get to know him at all yet? Or did you know him so from Rev Pro show, and stuff? That show I did in Rev Pro, um, I was actually sitting watching every single match and I watched his match against Gabe and after the show I messaged Will. I was like, bro, this guy is the best guy that was on the card next to the Aussie boys, you know? Yeah. This guy's fucking good, man. He's yeah. good. Jacked as hell, yeah. shredded as hell. Mm-hmm. He's got a good look as well. He's just like he looks like. Oh, you don't want to fuck with this guy. Yeah, and he's yeah. I haven't really hung out with him properly, but I know he's like a. He's a G, as we say in the street. <laughs> he's a G. <laughs> it's an absolute weapon of a of a dude. His matches have been good in Best of the Super Juniors, so I'm looking forward to seeing. Like I think when I consider his opponents and stuff like that, I don't even think we've seen the best from him in this tournament yet. I have a, another podcast called Okada Shorts, all about. Uh, New Japan that I do with a guy who lives in England uh, named Curtis and he's a big Rev Pro guy goes to all the shows and he was telling me he's like you need to watch this motherfucker he's like he's yeah. my fucking dude and I can't wait to to see him in BOSJ yeah he's good man I think it really suit being in Japan there's there's a lot of guys that are really good overseas but it's yeah. different in Japan the, the culture here is different the people respond differently mm-hmm. Um, but he's, I think he really suits it. To me, he's like a, a shredded 90-kilo version of me. 
<laughs> what a what a compliment. <laughs> Hear that driller? That is an absolute compliment. Hey, um, so let's talk then about your series of matches recently and everything that happened with Shingo Takagi because the um the what was the the stipulation? It was the ultimate triad match. Triad, three man, yeah. Amazing. So there was a, yeah. So they um office said so I wasn't expecting them to do it. I thought it would be a vote. Yeah. And then uh the office said maybe you pitch something and we'll see what Takagi thinks about it. Yeah. So I thought it was the most brutal thing that I could think of. And and it, and it became a thing that he ran with. So was that the first time he heard about it when you said it in that promo or had you talked about it before? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was a – Because he, he's I looking at you remember. like, what's this motherfucker talking about? Like he's looking yeah, at yeah, yeah. But he's like, But he's so going, the, I like this. This should be the main event. I like it. So, yeah. yeah. And then it they sounded, ran with it for um, Tai Chi too. So we were supposed to be um, – when I first challenged them to it, I think it was supposed to be at uh, Sakura Genesis, the main show. Yeah. But then the office was like, you just challenged him to a no time limit match. We can't give you a match in Sakura. <laughs> You're like, I'm I like, fucked oh, myself. I didn't think that's just the, the, the inexperience in my mind. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So then they, we had to do it at Kurokwin. But to be honest, I like Kurokwin more. Mm-hmm. It's like my home. It feels like my home ground, sure. you know? And I think that match needed that too because you guys got to go as long as you needed and that made the match. Like it needed to be that long. If it... If they'd put it, you know, on Sakura Genesis, you probably wouldn't have got that much time and it probably wouldn't have been as great as it was. Yeah. They would have cut off halfway and then skipped to the next match, I think. Exactly right. And they, <laughs> they just come back to you. You guys are still fighting out the back while <laughs> it's still going on. But it was nah, so but- successful, man. Like, like, And you were telling me you were, yeah. like, not well when you were – Yeah, playing. man, I, I was sick. So I had uh, asthma and bronchitis. So uh, asthma and bronchitis, how I was saying before, I used to be sick all the time. Yes. Uh-huh. And then – um. Yeah, but the inflammation builds up over time, and that was a pretty rough tour. So, the New Japan Cup match, and then matches mm-hmm. every day, every day, and then Sakura Genesis every day, every day until that, that uh, big singles match. Yeah, I mean that was my first championship match, so I wasn't going to pull out of it. Yeah, even if I was sick, I could have like had tuberculosis, and I would have <laughs> not pulled out. But <laughs> we get tested every day, and luckily that day. Uh, my temperature was okay. Yeah, it was just my lungs. It was just like. <laughs> So I was allowed to wrestle, but then I went to hospital the next day. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They gave me uh, they gave me six different uh, medications for it. Did it knock you yeah. out for a while? Well, like, did you have to? Yeah, have time no, off? I, was, I was out. So the whole day. Oh no, no, no! Sorry. The the next day, I, I still had a match. So I had and what what if you watch it back the day after Shingo, I had Ishii in a tag. This guy that's been coming after me since I first got to this company. Yeah, I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, I woke up and like saw the saw the match lineup, and I was like, "Oh shit!" After just getting this like collapsing, physically collapsing in this match with Shingo, my next match is against Ishii. Oh fuck! Let's go. Just, like, can you see me? Like, just uh, can't uh, let him know the weakness because he's going to come for you. Apparently, a very stern gentleman is Ishii. Yeah, oh, be, that guy's like the coldest guy ever. But it's not like cold in a disrespectful way. It's like a cold, like a. I'll wait till you earn my respect way. He doesn't doesn't talk, doesn't do anything. Yeah, wow. Very stoic. Yeah. Stoic, the right word. Sure. But uh, Shingo's great, man. Yeah. He's like one of my top five guys in the entire world. That I, I think in terms of skill, pro wrestling skill. He's yeah, he's amazing. Top five. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
it, it speaks to how good your guys' match was because they then went on to essentially elaborate on, you know, that gimmick or on that stipulation when they did the Tai Chi um, Shingo yeah. match, which they added two more, uh, <laughs> two yeah. two more falls or whatever it was, count out and TKO yeah. or whatever, and and that match was pretty fucking amazing as well. Yeah, so um, that that five five stipulations is my was my original one. Um, mm-hmm. So the office was like, uh, you pitch whatever you want to Shingo, but five rules might be too confusing for people. Right. So okay. I think having having the three rules and then adding the two was a lot, a lot yeah. better. Yeah, because they Just kind of got yeah. a taste of it first and then yeah. – and then Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Just like with all the previous matches, like uh, Yano Toru's match and their previous Tai Chi match, like they changed the rules to so such weird rules that sometimes – like the MMA match, they had Shingo and Okan. Yeah. Nobody really understood what was going on. Apart from me, I was in the corner like, fuck, this is great, man. Yo. Yeah. yeah, but normal pro wrestling fans didn't really understand it, so we needed to change yeah. it up that exactly. way. Exactly. It's just baby steps, right, and then sort of educating them and then elaborating on it. But I would say that title, like that KOPW title, has probably never been hotter than it is now due to those series mm-hmm. of matches. Like people like, just give us more of that. Like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that one is like a trade-off. So, you don't want to be entering into those kind of matches all the time because your body will just be destroyed. So, like, yeah, Shingo. Like, so he had uh, he had me in the cup, and then he had the Sakura Genesis match, and then he went to Australia, and then he came back, and then we went straight into the um, what was the last tour, Don Taku tour. Yeah, and he obviously lost his body; couldn't keep up with it. You know. Yeah. Exactly right, um, but yeah, if, if you're that, if you and you wrestle the way that we do, strong like Japanese strong style, you, you won't be able to do that with every match. Which is why I think he, uh, yeah, he's probably taking some time off the same as me right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's something for for the champions to consider, right? Because you want to be a fighting champion, but then there's also such a thing as just going too hard to the point where you burn out, and then somebody takes it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. exactly. So I think. Uh, uh, I've been trying to poke poke uh, Taichi a lot on Twitter. Like, well, give me a match, bro. Give me a match. In the backstage <laughs> comments, like, yeah, you're a champ. Give me a match. But uh, yeah, I don't know if he'll take it or not. Yeah, fuck around and find out, Taichi. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so let's um, we, like I I think the the natural way this conversation goes. I I'd love to hear about. Well, I mean, it kind of sounds like you're you've still got your eyes set on KOPW, but I'd like I'd love to know what your overall goal is continuing with New Japan, and then then I'd like uh, like to talk a little bit about your Maori heritage and and what your plans are there because I know you said you're planning to go go home at some point soon, and there's like a lot you want yeah, to yeah. to achieve to do with your your culture as well. So yeah, the, just those two points there. So um, where what's next for you in New Japan, and then what's next for you in life? I guess <laughs> obviously G one's coming up. That's what I'm I'm trying to like shred up for not shred up, but like get fit. Mm-hmm. Get fit for so last year I think I came in too heavy, hundred yep. over hundred and ten. You kilos. were the heaviest guy in the tournament, I remember. I think in the in the block, the yeah, heaviest in, guy the, in, the block. in the block. No one's heavier than Fale. Oh it? yeah, I forgot oh, it. I forgot he was in it. Yeah, yeah, okay, heaviest yeah. in the block. I mean, everybody forgets he's in it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he um, listens but, yeah. to this because it means he'll hear it. But then I'll be sad because he'll hate us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, G one's the big one, um, but. G1, it's not just about the G1. It's about maybe Taichi's in my block. Uh-huh. Maybe Tama 
Oh, wait, no, maybe Dave. Sorry, David. Sure. Beckham, right? Set up challenges. Maybe David's in the block. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the Aussie guys are going to lose the title to somebody and I get to wrestle them, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe. So that is a know, big consideration. Sonata is in my block and I get to pin him. Yeah. So it's, it's those sort of things that most people think about the G1 is just about winning the G1, but no, G1 opens you up to the Never title, the KOPW title. Um, maybe uh, who's the strong champion now, David? Uh, Fred? Fred? Uh, uh, Hikaleo is the, the open weight. Yeah, yeah. it's the yeah, open. So maybe, maybe he's in my block. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not just about the G1 itself. It's about everything altogether. So sure. Like definitely that, one of those. There's got to be someone. It's gonna, they're not going to have one block with nobody in it. Yeah, so, you know. no champions. You can see who you can put your target on because that, that's the thing that I remember Zach used to always say in those tournaments, you know. He'd, he'd really just be gunning for, like, Okada. And he's like, mate, I've already pinned the champion. I've got a fucking title shot. It doesn't really matter. Like, you know, he's, he's hit <laughs> yeah, his yeah, goal. Yeah. And it's kind of that. It's like, what potential targets can I set up? Because if I can set up title defenses as well as a G1 win, then fucking great. Yeah, exactly. Like, people are – the G1's so big because you get it at Tokyo Dome, which is, like, expected to be 50,000 people next year. Yeah. Um, but to a wrestler, with the difference between – Karaku and Hall and the Tokyo Dome, they're right next to each other. The energy is just the same. The belt is still the same. So, like, exactly. And, the, and hey, if you win, sure, you're, you might, you're going anyway. Might make some more money. Yeah. Might, yeah. Make, might make some more money at Tokyo Dome, but the opportunity is the same, you know. Well, that's it. You pin him in Karaku like Hall, then you're the defending champion in, uh, in Tokyo Dome, right? <laughs> hey, that doesn't hurt either. I, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many opportunities, not just, not just the G1 itself. But then at the same time, Everybody's watching the G1. Wrestlers in the WWE are watching the G1. So yeah. G1's where, you, where people take notice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, a grueling tournament, but it, it's it's what New Japan's known for, so you've got to be ready. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I said, this, this com- company's about being a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Exactly right. Learn your lessons and keep on trucking. Yeah, bro. Hell yeah. And then and then when are you going home? Because when we were talking, you, you said you had plans and you wanted to really uh, start to sort of make an, make an impact in New Zealand and, and have, a, have a positive effect and, and you're, you're learning a lot about your culture. Is that a trip you've got booked soon or? Yeah, next month, uh, June oh, wow. 19th. So after, I think there's one, there's the uh, – Dominion is the, the last sort of big tour before we go. Sure. Um, but we've got, I'm actually planning a big show in New Zealand at the moment. Oh, cool. Um, so we've got like massive like social media guests and um, TV, like Maori TV, like mm-hmm. the top indigenous TV in New Zealand is going to be there. We've got radios. We haven't announced it yet, but it's like, a, it's going to be the first event in the world uh, completely dedicated to Maori and Pacific wrestlers. Obviously, we'll have uh, like, European New Zealand wrestlers on the show uh-huh. as well, and uh-huh. anybody else that's uh, king. But the the main focus is uh, showcasing Maori and Pacific wrestlers, so mm-hmm. that they could have an opportunity to be showcased to the world. Amazing! And is this with Warrior Wrestling? Yes, yeah, Warrior Wrestling. So um, me and uh, Anthony Khan was actually the guy that came up with the idea. He's a, I know his name's Tony Khan, but he's a different Tony <laughs> Khan. <from the> guy <laughs> But yeah, he's a real estate developer that he, he's, he used to wrestle in school as well, like freestyle and that. And then he also wrestled in Mexico professionally. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so he started Warrior Wrestling and now we're going, um, just trying to get, get more people a chance to make money in New Zealand, not yeah. just 
going out overseas and then doing shows there, but that's big. And then got a big ritual ritual uh, ceremony happening mm-hmm. when I'm back. Uh, I've been keeping it a secret from the wrestling fans, though, but yeah. if you know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I do know. Um, but it, it's, <laughs> uh, it's going to be pretty amazing to, like, reconnect, you know, that you, you said you've yeah. been in contact with, with like, uh, elders and with where people have been, you know, taking you through your culture and all these things like that. So it's going to be pretty amazing to actually be there, right? Because, I mean, how long has it been? Yeah. It's been years, right, since you've been able to get back oh, to New yeah. Zealand? About a year, year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the main thing that's happening right now in New Zealand is there's like a uh, Indigenous awakening. It's probably happening in Australia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the long story short is the United Nations has ruled um, for the rights of Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. So Canadians, Indigenous Native Americans, uh, Indigenous First Nations Australians, mm-hmm. um, all over the world uh, sort of like banding together to lobby the government to like make make amends and yeah. um, give our land back and Amazing. stuff like that. So that's been big. But a large part of that for heaps of us is um, reconnecting with your ancestry. So right now I've been learning my lineage ancestry 53 generations mm-hmm. so right now it's at about 950 ce i think is where we could get to if you're using the yeah. 25 year ad- average um it's higher than i can yeah so all, all the way back um to a island and well all the way back to samoa and apollo so which is why i said the samoans were all related yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. but yeah us eastern polynesians were quite a bit uh leaner than our tongan and samoan cousins so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been quite buzzy learning about it. If it it's essentially Moana, the Disney movie. Yeah. Essentially what it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so are you taking some kind of raft to get back there or are you just going with a traditional plane? <laughs> <laughs> no, fly fly back as per usual. Uh, the uh, we, we can't build. I mean, it'll take a few, take about six months. So I might miss the G1 if we go by. Uh, uh, and that's the, the, that's the only kind of reason. Of. It's not that he's afraid of the sea, guys. He could definitely. No, no, no. We're born born for the sea, bro. I'm going back for the sea, you know. Yeah. So um, our family lands like we've got our own beach back. So um, yeah, we, I like going back there whenever we're home, um, and also to look at houses in, in New Zealand. So. Yeah, exactly right. It, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to sort of have two homes because I mean, jumping between like the two places will be, I guess, kind of stressful, but also really nice to be able to come home and not just have to stay in a hotel or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, hotels, hotel love's cool, but it's it's cool also being able to have somewhere to relax and chill out, you know. Absolutely. And no. what better place to relax than some beach in the middle of country town, New Zealand. Amazing. Exactly. <laughs> Surrounded by friends yeah, and family. Got a, got a big surprise in store for the fans. Well, you guys will all be surprised, but... Yeah, all islanders will be like, yeah, yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, exactly right. We we're not going to say anything uh, about what that is, but what I, what I will say is that it was fascinating to me to just hear the history behind that and and everything that's going to going to go into it and how much it means to you. Like, I, I think it's going to be be a really um, awakening experience for you. Yeah, man, you 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 see a lot of those um, new Nike shirts the, the, with the rock symbol and it says Mana on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Mana and his uh, his whole brand is based around mana. Yeah, this concept of mana, which is like the central thing in Polynesian culture, and that's like spiritual energy, uh-huh. um, uh, pr- prestige. I think might yeah. be the, the English word, mm-hmm. charisma, or just like your life force. Yeah, 
and everybody everybody has it but over time you can build it and so what I, what i'm trying to do is take the that mana from their ancestors and bring it down yeah. and hopefully showcase that in the g1 there. amazing that's a it's a it's going to be a lot so everybody needs to get ready for this man to hit the g1 because it is going to be something else <laughs> absolutely I think I might shave my hair as well. <laughs> hey, that's up to you, my man. You need to do what, what you think is correct. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it might be time. I, he's, a, he's, he's catching angles in the camera here. So. <laughs> as somebody who needs a haircut as well at the moment, my hair is completely out of control, so I can completely understand <laughs> the need to. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen you without a hat. I know, but it, it's really just down to convenience because I can't be bothered going anywhere. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had dreadlocks for 10 years down my back. Like, oh, that's yeah, badass. Like I love dreads, huge. Man. Well, I was in like a metal band, you know, we were tough boys. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. yeah. What that is. I saw, I was at one metal concert once and the guy was swinging his hair around. Yeah. But the top of the dread got yeah. like stuck in the, uh, the, the guitar string mm-hmm. and he was like, spent a whole month. He was still rocking, but he was like trying to. <laughs> undo the hair and the thing the whole time. I, uh, my guitarist had definitely had that happen, so it may have been our show when we were in New Zealand, but um, we used to do a lot of that and it's why my neck is now fucking tragedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> on, the concept, uh, on the subject of death metal, have you heard of uh, Alien Weaponry? No. It's a oh, Maribet? Moldy death metal band, but I'm mm-hmm. in talks with their label to get a song from them. Sick. Uh, Alien Weaponry. Please, please. We used to, we did yeah. a tour with a, who was it? Was it like 12, no, not 12 Foot Ninja. There was a Maori band that used to come over uh, and tour and we, we played with them when we were over there and they're awesome. I'll, I'll message you about it anyway. We, <laughs> we completely <laughs> waylaid way the thing, but uh, people check out that band and get ready for G1 because Aaron Hanara is about to absolutely kill it. Um, where do people find Warrior Wrestling? Where do people find you? How do they, you know, get on top of that event and and know everything uh, there is to know? It'll be announced on uh, Warrior Wrestling NZ on social media. On Twitter, it's uh, Warrior Wrestling Aotearoa, which okay. is the real name for New Zealand. Yes. Um, uh, but, yeah, we're, we're still uh, – finalizing the stages but it'll be everyone that's um wants to see it will see it on their feed when it comes out absolutely now that it'll is be awesome it'll, oh. be, it'll be a fun event and uh my first event back home i've been in australia more than uh, more than new zealand well yeah i mean you were just here for tamashi like and then then yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. back in japan and so close to new zealand but not close enough yeah absolutely yeah, not close enough when you're in the middle of the tour so i had to go new beginning Tamashi, and then back to the second half, new beginnings. Just running you ragged, man, but it's going to be all worth it. Like your work ethic is absolutely inspiring to me, man. And uh, I I think with your your attitude and understanding the way that, you know, the Japanese culture does things and stuff can only lead to great, great success for you, man. So I want to thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm just so glad that we got to meet and got to become friends because I, I really enjoy hanging out with you, bud. No, thank you, brother. You're a good man. Oh, thank good you, man. man. No worries. So everybody out there, make sure you check out everything New Japan Pro Wrestling, Warrior Wrestling, Aaron Hanaro, United Empire, all of it, yeah? Thank you to my guest and for everybody out there, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling.
Thanks everyone for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent feud.